Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hello, welcome friends. My name is Jan L. Burt. I'm your host and I'm so glad to have you here for my very first podcast episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. I am a fellow Jesus follower. I'm sure you are too if you're listening today. Um, And the name of my show, the Burt Not Ernie Show, has to do with knowing who I am and who I'm not. I am definitely for sure a Burt and I am certainly not an Ernie. So why is that the name of the show? I'll tell you why. Because part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. And getting the promises of God into the people of God has a lot to do with knowing who you are according to God's word. And you got to know who you're not so that when your enemy comes in to hit you with something that's a lie, you know it's a lie and you can identify it as a lie. So here we are, the Burt Not Ernie show where you learn more about knowing who you are and knowing who you're not. Today, this first episode, we are going to just dive right into the Word of God. We're going to look at a New Testament passage from God's Word, and I've been praying that this passage will just bless you, just flat out bless you and encourage you and kind of maybe even put a new, like a new pep in your step, give you a new kick today. Because God is just so good. He's so good, and He so wants to be known by his, by his children. And that's what we are. We're children of God. We've been adopted into his family and he wants us to know him on a greater and greater and ever increasing measure and level uh, day by day. And so this passage is going to help us with that. As we, as we kind of talk through this, I want to ask you to be kind of cognizant and aware of that truth today, that God is desiring for you to know him kind of more and more. Okay, that's that's an important truth for you to know. And truth matters. The truth matters. We need to be people who seek after God's truth in this era in which we live where there's so much um, untruth and deception and confusion. We need to seek hard after the truth. And you need to know the truth that God wants to be known by you. And if he wants to be known by you, he's going to make himself known to you. It's not going to be impossible and it's not going to be too hard for you. So get ready to know God in a better way today. This, this episode today is going to take a look at, um, you know what, I said New Testament earlier, and it is not the New Testament. I am going to skip to Isaiah. I had in my mind Romans 12, and I, um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to Isaiah. Let's go to the Old Testament for uh, today. You'll have to come back for that Romans 12 episode two one. I'm going to, I'm actually not going to look at those notes. I'm going to go to Isaiah. I am filming this or recording this, not filming, sorry, in, um, who it is November of 2019. It's fall. We are rolling up on Thanksgiving and then comes Christmas. And, um, I have notes written up for another podcast episode from Isaiah, like chapter 43. And we should just look at that because fall is a time 
to be thankful. And there's a lot in the book of Isaiah to be thankful for. And Isaiah has a lot, a lot that will help us at Christmas time to just refocus and remember Christmas is about Jesus. So in light of the fact that I would love for you to do a deep dive, open the book of Isaiah and start reading through it. Let's just, let's just make that the first passage we look at. So let me, um, let me grab those notes. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. We've got it. So Isaiah, Old Testament book, kind of in the middle of your Bible, not hard to find at all. It's a good size book. This is a profound book. Just, I hope you dive in and read it. Really, that would be a good goal for you this fall to read the book of Isaiah as you get ready to roll into the new year. Um, it's fantastic. You can kind of almost see God's God's hand tracing out the entire Bible in the book of Isaiah. The New Testament is, of course, a little shorter than the Old Testament. And if you look at Isaiah and you kind of split it, um, the split comes chapters 1 through 39, correspond a little more with the, the length of the Old Testament. And then starting in chapter 40, it's a little shorter, but it just turns a corner, kind of the way the New Testament goes from all the prophecy about Jesus to, to about the Messiah to boom, Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. In chapter 40 of Isaiah, there's just so much hope. It just becomes so hope filled. It's, it's like a great source of renewal and vitality. And it's kind of like a, a mini glimpse into what the New Testament and what Jesus bring us, which is hope. Jesus brings us hope. So from Isaiah 40 on, it's it's just so much hope for us. And don't we need that? I need that. Such a powerful book. So we're going to be in chapter 40, 43, 43 today. I will read it out loud, these verses from the New Living Translation today. And I'll make a note of those. They'll be in the show notes so you can find them later on. Isaiah 43, 18, 19, and 20. It says this, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals of the field will thank me, the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Okay, so right at the beginning of this passage, it tells us, it tells the reader to forget all that. What is what does God want us to forget? What what are we supposed to move on from or what is that exact point where God wants his people to move forward to spring off from? Well, the first 13 verses of chapter 43 of Isaiah are they're really chock-full of awesome promises and there's a lot of comfort in those 13 verses. Uh, I'm thinking that God does not want us to move on from comfort and encouragement. That that's a pretty safe bet. But verses 14 through 17, those are the forget all this verses. Those, that's what the word is talking about. Um, when, he, when, when God says, forget all that, he's talking about those verses. And what he, what he mentions there is um, the hand of the Lord as deliverer and as righteous judge against evil. God is like a mighty powerhouse. And those few verses, he's just laying out... Um, that he alone is the one who has the ability to call forth the armies of the earth and move them where he wants them to move. It doesn't matter what country, what continent those armies reside on, who their leader is, what that leader's beliefs are. At any time, God can grab hold of them and, and use them to execute judgment where it needs to happen. He's a righteous judge. He's a deliverer. Um, he's the only one who can command anything and everything in all of existence to do his bidding 
at any moment. He's the only one. So verse 17 kind of references the mighty army of Egypt and all its chariots and its horses, which if you were to like rewind in time, if you could go back in time, you would, we would have a much better grasp of what that really means. What it meant was that was the hallmark. If you had chariots and you had horses, um, you were kind of like undefeatable militarily. That was the hallmark of the mightiest of military foes horses and chariots. So undefeatable. And God, it says in quotes, he snuffed out their lives like a smoldering candle wick. You just kind of think of someone licking their fingers and pinching them over that candle wick. And that's it. There's no more light. It's been extinguished. It's just smoldering a little bit. That is what God says he did to the, the greatest military powerhouse and force on the earth at that time. So God is making no bones about it here. He's not pulling any punches about his power. Those are not, this isn't like rumors. These weren't fairy tales. This isn't mythology. God actually did those things. And then he goes on to say, forget all that. Well, why would he tell us to forget it? Here's why. Because what the Lord is about to do makes all that seem kind of like itty bitty tiny in comparison And I'm getting that notion from verse 18 because it says it's nothing compared to what I am going to do is what God says in verse 18. It's those mighty, amazing things are so small compared to what he's about to do. So that's why he wants us to forget it. The why is because he's about to do something new. There are some versions and translations of the Bible that might say, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And you've maybe heard that in a passage, um, a Bible study, maybe in a prayer group, uh, but that was taken from this passage in Isaiah 43. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'm about to do something new. I am about to do something new. Gosh, that is so encouraging. It's inspiring. Do you kind of feel that sense of hope that sort of bubbles up, begins to rise up within you when you hear the Lord the Lord saying he's about to do something new. It's exciting. It's awesome. There's this sense of great expectation. And I really do. I really do believe that this passage, it should bring us a renewal of our hope and it should grow our faith. God is the same. Listen, God's the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. He change. I change. I, the Lord God changeth not, says the King James. He is never asleep on the job. It is absolutely impossible for him to be negligent. He finishes everything that he starts. God finishes everything that he starts and he is always doing, he's always doing a new thing. Here's why I believe that because he is truly the God of renewal and restoration. And when he renews something and makes it, that means he makes it new. He does a new thing when he renews something, when he restores something, he restores it better than it was before. That's a new thing. That's a new version of the old broken thing. Even the old thing that was great when he restores it, it's even better. And so he does a new thing. Can you not perceive, you know, him working in your life in some area right now? I hope you can. I hope you can find some part of your life where you know the Lord is doing a new thing. Can you, can you hear me speaking about this passage? And can you hope again that there is a whole new day dawning in your immediate future, like right around the corner, it's coming. Do you believe what he is saying to you from this passage? I want you to believe it. I so want you to believe it because it's for you. It goes on to say, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? This is, it's just so awesome. 
God's already started it. It's already in the works. And he is inviting us to take another look to kind of see his hand at work in our circumstances, um, in our hearts, in our minds. Sometimes the new work he's doing is he's creating in me a new way of thinking. Sometimes the work he's doing is he's softening my heart. Maybe you've got a prodigal and all you can see is just those little tiny glimpses of a softer heart, of a heart that's just getting more and more tender. That's God doing a new thing. He's doing it. So it's not just looking for God's hand in external circumstances. It can be internal, internal, like your hearts and minds. He can soften hearts. He can renew minds. Mine, yours, you can look around and see it happening all the time if we just take the time to look and see it. Are your thoughts and emotions changing at all? That's a great indicator that God is doing a new thing. If you start to have different thoughts and your emotions begin to change for the better, that's God doing something new in you. What about your relationships? Are your relationships changing? Is your calling or your vocation undergoing some kind of transformation? You know, you may still be at the exact same job. Your title may not change. The location where you go to work on a daily basis may not change, but there may be some new thing happening in the environment at work. And that can be a sign of God doing a new thing. And I'm certain that it is. If there's change happening and it's positive, man, we got to give credit where it's due and give the glory to God for that. Those are the places where God is asking you to look and see what he's already begun to do. And again, you need to remember that whatever he begins, he will complete. He will finish it. God leaves nothing undone. There's nothing haphazard about the way that our God works. Nothing is laid in waste. Nothing is abandoned or forgotten. No, no way. That's just not who he is. And the New Testament tells us to take authority over anything and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That means what we think, our personal thoughts, what we believe about God. We have to take authority and reject Take authority over it and reject anything that sets itself up against our knowledge of God. And so it's okay for us to come and say, no, I don't believe that God's forgotten me. I don't believe that this part of my life is just going to lay dormant forever because God's word says he's doing a new thing and he doesn't leave anything undone. My God is not haphazard. He hasn't laid me by the wayside. I'm not abandoned or forgotten. I am not orphaned. I have been adopted by the God most high. And that's how you actually take authority over the things that try to set themselves up against the knowledge of God in your life. Reject those things. Make your personal thoughts align with what God's word says is true about God, right? Because he is not leaving things undone in our lives. That's a lie. And we reject the lies because they come from the father of lies and we don't listen to him. We listen to our good shepherd. We, we know his voice because we're his children, we're his sheep and we hear him and we do what he says. Now we're going to get to, um, gosh, a profound part of this verse. There's just a massive promise here. God says here, and I quote, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That is a pretty big deal. I just, I got to tell you, if, if this does not put a pep in your step, if this doesn't kind of get your heart rate up a little bit, I'm not sure what will do that for you. Um, folks, we have, we all have wilderness seasons in life. Every single one of us has dry wasteland places. You you feeling me? If you can't think of a dry wasteland area in your life right now, then A, pretty soon you're going to come up against one because like Frank Sinatra said, that's life, right? That's just reality. We live in a fallen world. We are not yet 
at home with the Lord in heaven in eternity. So we're still doing our day-to-day stuff in a very broken and very messed up world. So if you're not in one now, one will probably be coming for you. And B, if, even if you're not in a wilderness season right now, don't you like for sure know somebody or know of a friend of a friend who is going through a really dry wasteland wilderness area right now? I'm sure we all know somebody who's like smack dab in the middle of a really rough, dry season. The abundant and the rich promise that is found here in Isaiah 43 is we just have to hone in on it and focus on it and believe that four-letter word will, W-I-L-L, will. So I say this often, and I say this because uh, because it works, because it's true. Like, let me let me give you an example of why I talk about the words will and all, especially the words will when God makes a promise the way that I do on repeat sometimes. If I could come to you and say, I figured out this one thing that I do, and it takes me 3.5 minutes one time a week, and I've been doing it for the last 10 years. I lost 50 pounds and I kept it off. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, you would. And I would be telling people about it all the time because I wouldn't want to share that with them. It's a big deal. Well, that's why I talk about the word will in a promise of God the way that I do over and over again, because this works. This is profound. This is awesome. So when I see the word will, W-I-L-L, um, I... Uh, I underline it twice. I like double underscore. So if you hear me say double underscore, that means I underline it two times. And then if at all possible, if I'm, um, if I'm in a public place, I kind of whisper it to myself, but if I'm at home or, you know, if I'm with friends or something, I say it out loud and I say it with some extra emphasis on the word will. I put a little extra oomph in the word will. That, this verse gives us the promise word will, not one time, but twice, two times. That's gold. That's gold right there. So we're going to try it. We're going to put the emphasis on the word will. And please remember, this is God's word. He is speaking to us right now. This is what God is saying, what he is speaking into that situation in your life right now. Okay. And here's what he says. And I quote, I will, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Will. Guys, will. Will means will. And all means all. When God says he will do it, he will do it. And there's something that happens when you say out loud, my God will do this. He has promised me. He will. You will. Things will change. Things will change. They begin to shift. You'll begin to feel things break off your life. Your mind will be renewed. You'll be walking in a new layer of, of freedom. You'll level up in your faith. We've got to speak the word of God out loud. It's powerful. Will means will. When God says he will do something, oh, by golly, he will do it. So that dry place, a river, a river is coming to that dry place. And the riverbed where the water flows in the wilderness, because we know what it's like. And if you've ever seen a desert, uh, the ground is hard packed. It does not absorb water very well. So sometimes a riverbed has to be cut, right? It's where the water flows off to. Maybe there's a low spot and the riverbed gets cut. The riverbed where that river is coming, that riverbed is being cut by the hand of your God himself. He's involved He is intimately involved in what's troubling you. The water that's going to overflow its banks has been promised by the one who is the living water. Every drop of water, that river that's coming into your wilderness, was promised to you by the one who is the living water. That wilderness where you just feel so lost and alone. God is carving out a path, a roadway, a clear place to put your feet step by step by step until one day, you're going to wake up in a whole new land. 
Will means will. God began it. God is completing it. God is completing it. And finally, the last portion of the passage that we've been studying from Isaiah chapter 43 tells us that even the wild animals, creatures like the owl and the jackal, which as far as my understanding goes, when I have seen these types of animals in the wild, when I see owls here in Kansas, they're loners. They're loner types. Jackals, I think they're kind of, um, you know, they're um, they're not nice. That's the best way to describe a jackal, right? I mean, they're not, they're intimidating, right? So if even the animals that are loner types, that are solos, that are hunters, that are devourers, that are intimidating and, and not, not kind and they don't look very cuddly, even those are going to thank the Lord for what he is doing. Nothing in all of God's creation is going to forget about what God's done. Nothing is going to fail to make note of what he has done or to thank him for his favor and his provision and his deliverance. So what this makes me think of is that I really, as a human, I don't want to be um, the part of God's creation, right? We need to really be sure that we're not the sole things in all of creation that are failing to give him his due. We need to give him glory. We need to thank him and praise him for what he is doing and what he will continue to do. So thank him. Thank him in advance. Man, I'm telling you, there's freedom that comes when you are thanking him in advance for what what you don't even see. His faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen. That's from the New Testament book of Hebrews. So start thanking him for that new thing that he's doing. Even if you can't really see it very clearly from right here, just be thankful. Be thankful. I want to be a thankful daughter. You know what I mean? I I just want to be a thankful daughter. I don't want to be snotty or bratty or entitled. The the older I get, I just, I keep getting more years under my belt. And the older I get, I want to be a thankful daughter, a thankful person. God gives us water, even in the driest of deserts. For that, yeah, that's worth saying thank you for. It really is. So, all right. I am going to call that a wrap for today. Thanks for hanging out with me here. And thanks for letting me make a switch, turn on a dime from Romans 12, 2 to Isaiah 43, 18 through 20. I appreciate that for hanging with me there. Um, I'm humbled that, that, uh, I get to do this. How cool is this that we get to use technology to talk about God's word and God's promises and encourage one another, get the promises of God into the people of God, get the word of God into the women of God. That's amazing. That's awesome that I get to be a part of that. So I hope that you are blessed today. I'm praying for every listener and believing that the Lord is going to do something even right now today for all the times that he said he will do something that you can begin to start to see that happening in your life, maybe even just right now in this moment. So I will be back again next week for, oh, let's see, I guess for another, the next episode of the Burt Not Ernie show. I don't know. I don't want to say what I'm going to be talking about because I might change it like I did today. Uh, but in the meantime, um, you can find me at my website, Titus2DiscipleshipWithJanLbert.com. That'll be in the show notes. You can find me in my Facebook group, the same name, Titus2DiscipleshipWithJanLbert.com, free group. Uh, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. Um, it's pretty much weekly, just a few verses I send out to encourage you as you go through the week. The sign up for that should be in the show notes. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Titus 2 Disciple Jan Burt. And I will probably follow you back. So I would love the follows. Also, I got to tell you, as a new podcaster, it's really helpful every time somebody shares this 
leaves a comment, leaves a review. It just, it blesses me and it encourage me, encourages me, but it also helps me in the little thing on Podbean that keeps track of all that stuff though. So anything that you do like that, it doesn't go unnoticed. It just means the world to me. So, all right, that is it. Thankful for all of you. I will talk with you again soon and uh, that's it. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.